0: Welcome to Season 5 of the Excel Still More Podcast. I'm still your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you in your walk with the Lord, and I'm glad you've joined. The program continues to be sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John is a good friend, and he's helped me and my family in everything from stock and mutual fund investing to annuities, life insurance, and retirement planning. I certainly commend him to you. If you have needs in any of those areas, you can reach him at 205 205- 326 7364. Thank you again for your ongoing encouragement and support. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back, and Merry Christmas. Launch day for today's episode is December the 25th. I'm sure you are enjoying a wonderful day with your family, as I am mine. And so I especially want to thank you for taking some time to listen today. Maybe you can already tell from the title, but today's episode will be a little bit different than usual. A few weeks ago, I was interviewed by Kenny Embry for his podcast, Balancing the Christian Life, on the topic of minimizing daily stress. We both just enjoyed that so much, and I felt like it came together in a valuable way, and I asked his permission to release it here for you. It's a little longer than usual, but maybe if you're commuting between families, houses, or something, it can fit right in. Next week, we will kick off Season 6 of this program. I've already got some things coming together I cannot wait to share with you that I think will kind of dominate the first couple of months worth of episodes, and of course, we will trickle in the back half of the House Rules series. But in the meantime, I wish you a happy holidays and safety for you and your loved ones, and I hope that you enjoy this very honest and sometimes a little personal and raw conversation between Kenny and me.
1: How you doing, Emerson?
2: Hey,
0: Kenny. I'm doing great, man. Good to be with you, dude.
2: Uh, it's always good to be with you.
1: Um, you you understand that 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 I've been it's it's been a little bit messy around my house lately, and you were one of the one of the people that that reached out and say, oh, "All right, Embry, what's up?" And and one of the things that I appreciated about that was you you, you <laughs> not only asked the question, but you stuck around long enough to figure out what the answer was. And and the answer is is complicated, but not that complicated. There's got a lot going on. So one of the things that I knew you said. You said, let me, is there, I can't remember exactly the way you said this, but it was something along the lines of, you said something about how can I help?
2: I said, you want to talk on, on the podcast? And you said, yeah, I'd do that. Um, you're one of those guys
1: that has a philosophy of avoiding stress. That, quite frankly, I've always admired. Uh, Explain what, what your philosophy towards stress is and, and how do you make it work?
0: Man, well, again, it's great to be with you. We both had our our battles intermixed in with our victories this calendar year. And I think that <laughs> yeah. you're somebody I feel comfortable sharing with and, and connecting with. And, and I hope that some of what we share today can help people outside of the two of us. But if we, if each of us come out a little bit stronger and and more courageous and more at peace, then I'll, I'll really value the time. But I think we will be busy. We're going to talk about that today. I mean, life is trying to fill up with things all the time, but there are some things we can do to space that out and sequence it. And those are two words I want to begin with sequencing and spacing. Mm-hmm. If we get those two things right, particularly in day type increments, I mean, I look at each day as its own kind of lifetime. You know, you wake up with energy. You explore, you do things, you invest things, you run out of energy at the end of the day and the lights go out. And so each day for me has the sense of how do I sequence it well and how do I space it well? If tomorrow represented a lifetime, what would I want in it? Mm -hmm. What would matter most? If I ask you to just sort of like diagram your lifetime, what do you want most of it to be about? Where do you want the focus to be? Well, do your best to put that into a day. Like your best. I I get it. Work weeks are hard sometimes and weekends are frantic. So a couple of thoughts, sequencing and, and spacing. If I ask you, what are elements of your day that help you alleviate stress? You're like, boy, you know, a little Bible read really helps me alleviate stress. Or journaling a couple of thoughts or having coffee with my spouse or going on a little walk. Get that stuff in sequence that stuff in. We're gonna talk in a little bit about how to cut out other things, but you know, for me, I go, okay, in the morning to start the sequence, I have to have a half an hour. I have to have a half an hour to 60 minutes to pray, to read, to write, to have coffee with my spouse. That is crucial. I have to get up as early as I need to get up to start the day with that. So sequencing is really important. At the end of the day, we go for a walk, we debrief, and it sort of caps the day. So a couple of thoughts. One is sequence each day in a way that fits in the stuff that you know you need. But the second thing is spacing. It may just be too much, right? Mm-hmm. I know, oh, Chris, I can't do that. I'd love to do that, but I've got this and this and that. I'm going to tell you right now that the secret to a stress-free life is not the outside things vying for your attention. It's how many of them you give your attention to you have got to be more minimalistic in how much you pack into a single day or week. I don't like to think beyond day or week. I mean, today I can space things out and you go, well, I got too much. Well, then move it to the next day or move it to the next week. And when I look at the cadence of a whole week, a Sunday through a Saturday, I want to accomplish a frog every day. I want to address a spiritual highlight every day, but I can't eat like a thousand frogs. So Part of what I would advise people to do is go, hey, they're going to be stressful things. Life's going to be hard. But if I sequence in, start to finish each day, things I know I need, and I work on creating gaps and spaces between stressful things, I yeah. can rest between those spaces. Yeah. I can work in something crazy urgent that just had, I'm like, okay, I had an hour here that I would spaced out. I know each person's situation is different. Summer and I were talking this morning about how I have to be careful with that. You know, some people go to the office all day, and it changes the dynamic. But don't let that be an excuse for poor sequencing and slamming so many things together that there's no spacing. Those are two crucial elements.
1: One of the things you're kind of talking about, that, that idea of sequencing, you're talking about a lot of stuff that's under your control. And, and one of the things that I, that I think a lot about, I can come up with a schedule that works. The problem is the, the problem that comes in through the door in the next 10 minutes, and then everything that I had planned suddenly finds its way on the floor, and, and my plans end up being somebody else's emergency. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do.
0: I do. How,
1: how do you deal with something like that? Yeah.
0: I'll give you an example. My uh-huh. son came home last night and there the coolant's low or something on his car and it was going crazy and yeah. we got a mess on our hands, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I have a fairly busy day today. I mean, I'm starting it with you Kenny. That was my sequencing choice to start it with you and then later have a brunch with some guys, like a prayer meeting. It's got I'm busy, but I I spaced time between everything today. So, mm-hmm. between um, the brunch at Cracker Barrel and an email that I'm due to send out at two o'clock. I've got about an hour and a half Well, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get some coolant and try that thing. Like you have to create space. And this is why I love to journal in the morning and lay out my schedule go, here's what I'm going to do today. Yeah. And if there's something that doesn't fit or squeezes too tight, I'm going to move it to another day. So that those emergencies, there's just got to be some space for them and part of this making some serious cuts on your schedule which we'll get to in a little bit but i'm not as worried about that because i don't have to cut something valuable to get to it
1: i think one of my big problems is like for example you talk about your your son's having car problems my son had car problems as well and it ended up being a blown head gasket and i didn't know that at at the moment but suddenly you, you know you, you're sitting there and as soon as I found out something's wrong with the car, which which happens on a Friday night, Friday night, when all the garages are empty and, and, and closed, they will not be open again until Monday. Uh, Friday night, because you need the, that car, but you're going to have to replace that car with a rental, and all the rental car agencies are, are closed. Friday night, and, and all of a sudden, one of the things that, that I'm sitting there thinking is, there are about a dozen phone calls that are going to have to happen within the next hour. And my problem is I love my son, but I don't think I can trust my son with any of those phone calls. So, I, and I think there's, a, there's a danger in the, t- tell me where the problem here is, Chris, because I think one of the things that happens to me is I think I'm the only one that can do all this stuff. And because I I worry about handing this off to my wife because my wife doesn't even like to pump her own gas, much less talk to somebody on the phone about a car rental. And do you see, do you sympathize where I am? Do you understand what's going on? And how would you, what kind of advice would you give somebody like me? who just feels like all the levers of life basically fall on my dashboard, but nobody else has those levers either. You see what I'm saying?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you're, you're terrifying I me. Mean, I may have a bonehead gasket. now. I don't know yet. You know, you're, <laughs> you're maybe telling me about what my next two days are going to be like with my kid. You know, um, I, I do feel that. And I guess, I don't know. I don't know. you. I remember us talking about it, but I was thinking this week, like, what if I just don't fix that car for a week? What if I don't make any of those phone calls? I just don't do it. I don't call them. It's uh, Thanksgiving week. Um, there's a lot going on. And so we just sort of carpool a little bit, or we even take something we were scheduled to do and say can't do it. You know that that like I think a listener would be like, that's crazy that you could have something on the calendar and go, you know what, our car is kind of having trouble, and I don't really want to worry about it the next couple of days, so I'm just not going to be able to make that meeting. Like we go, what we because we have this sense that says we have to do everything, we have to fit everything in, and so we have to urgently get everything reset right now and go. No, what if we just don't? What if we just doesn't go to, I don't know if he's got to work tomorrow, or whatever. But we just go, you know what? He's going to need to take a day off work. Like for us to do less is this sign of, you know, failure. I think if we did less, we'd all be happier. I think if we worked, you know, I don't mean laziness, I mean smarter, not harder. And we space things out. So, you know, that's kind of been my thing today. I prayed about this morning. I'm like, Lord, I don't care what's going on with the car. Just help me to just get to it when I need to get to it, you know? And if I can't fit it in between... Kenny Embry and Cracker Barrel, just maybe just, <laughs> maybe just look at it tomorrow, you know? Well, yeah. what's that going to mean for stuff you guys have going on this week? Well, yeah, I don't know. I'll drop him off or, uh, he's driving my car right now because his car driver's side door won't open and you have to climb in through the passenger door. It's my 2600 and it, you know, I think it embarrasses him a little. I have no problem with it. <laughs> I went to my other son's basketball game last night. I crawled out through the passenger door, you know, I look like some Spider-Man wannabe, you know, <laughs> in his 40s. But I think, I just don't think things are as urgent as we think they are. And so I look at stressful situations as an opportunity to explore that maybe it's not as crucial as I thought and just wait. Yeah.
1: No, I th- I think you're right. You, you reminded me of, of my car that I had while I was in college. It was a It was a Pontiac six thousand, and I put I counted it. I put thirty seven repairs on that car. Um, the, but but just like that, the car you're describing there, the passenger side door. I mean, I'm sorry, the driver's side door would not open. It would fall off. It, it had already rotted through the in- hinges, so you couldn't open it because the door would fall off. Um, the the lock. You had to open the window, to open the, door, the car door because the, the latch on the indoor on the inside was was broken. So you had to you had to open it from the outside. Um, I tell you what, it had one wheel windshield wiper that worked. Um, and the and the very last straw, Emerson. I was driving home Wednesday night from church, and the steering wheel came off in my lap. Okay, and and, and it wasn't it wasn't popped off the entire driver, the the entire steering column fell in my lap.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's bad.
1: (laughs) It was not a good car. I I, I say all that to say I don't know the difference between the person I've become now because for some reason the person that that was in college felt like they could probably put off a lot of those things. And he did. And the fact of the matter is that became a car that I got rid of that I probably should have gotten rid of sooner. But it seems like the older I get, the less well I do with stress. Do you see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. And we're not, and I'm glad you brought up that story because we're not talking about just ignoring things until your steering wheel comes off. I think it's a great story for to cap another end of this, which is, ah, we'll just keep driving the car, keep doing whatever it'll all be fine. probably won't. You know, atrophy is a reality of life. And if you don't address things, they get worse. But if it's not, if everything isn't super crazy, crucial, and urgent, Mm -hmm. if everything doesn't have to be fixed right now to make you calm, then you can go back to sequencing and spacing and you can do great. You can say, you know what, next Monday I'm going to work on that car. I got a, I got a big pocket there, of a few hours next Monday, so I'm going to do that. That'll be a little inconvenient this week, but hey, we all need to ride together to church every once in a while, anyway. You know, you can go back to okay, how do I sequence the day and not pack everything into it? How do I create ample space for rest, for reflection, for prayer, mm-hmm. uh, and not try to do it all? So we've tried to think like that. You know, first of all like kenny like our problems are not real problems for the most part you know (laughs) you go like this morning summer and i like wow our life's really falling apart like uh our our oven is tripping a sensor and we can't bake and one door doesn't open on a car and like this the faucet in the kitchen keeps dripping and we just kind of laugh about like good like we need some level of inconvenience where we go you know what we just need to get to that we get to it and not let it direct our thought, because we both know life has a lot more serious stuff in it, like really serious stuff. And we've got to face that serious stuff. And my thing is, is like, if you and I are getting stressed out and packing everything in on things that aren't really that serious, we're not even remotely prepared to handle real things like persecution or affliction or sickness or, you know, yeah. I, I just think that when little things are huge, big things are going to crush you. So maybe an attitude adjustment's helpful too, going, hey, you know what, I hope I get a little few stressful things that I have to space out this week. I don't want it to be easy. I want to have to be smart about it because that's going to prepare me for, for later.
1: I think one of the things you're kind of backing into there, Emerson, is, is the idea of, of value clarification. In other words, what is really important and what's not important? And I, I, you're talking about maybe it's okay to miss a meeting or two. Maybe it's okay to miss, but, but what are your values? What are your values where something inside you is saying, no, you can't miss that meeting. No, that is something that is really important. Whatever's going on in that room. If you're not there, the world's going to fall apart. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Can you speak to this? Why is it important to clarify our values? Do you see what I'm saying there?
0: I, I do. And and again, I, I want to hit this button one more time. I mean, each day is like a lifetime. If you looked at your lifetime and you were on you were at the end of your life, and I said What got the most priority in your life and if you could adjust it now, what would it look like? I mean, man, I've been preaching 22 years. I've had that conversation a bunch of times. I don't usually bring it up, but they bring it up. Here's what my life was about. And if I had it to do again now, this is what it would be. And and it's always time with the kids and it's always time with God. It's I mean, you know what the answers are. Yeah. And very rarely are they like, Man, I missed that meeting and I really wish I'd have caught five more of those. Like nobody says that. Now you have to (laughs) I mean, I get it. You have to keep Employed and all that kind of stuff, but I've heard him say things like, "I wish I'd have quit my job and just took in on another job with less stress." But at the time, here is my thing: if you think about that in a lifetime sequence, and then you get up on a Wednesday morning, like make sure that the things you want featured in your life get attention today. And you're going to say, "Well, that's not possible because of everything." That's what I'm saying. Now it's time to get out the scissors. I'll get ahead of ourselves a little bit on this. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, you talk about, you've got, you submitted to me some questions and, and kind of like some, some real secrets to getting some of this done. And, yeah. and I think it's, it's open hands early and then grab the scissors. All right. So let me explain this. Open hands early and then grab the scissors. Open hands early is you get up early enough where you can open your hands to the Lord, figuratively speaking. Okay. <laughs> little, but you open your hands to the Lord and you just pray and you read and you express what you're grateful for. Do not interact with another human being until you have found a reason to be grateful and thankful and at peace. Uh, Do not leave your house to go anywhere until you have communed with the Lord. Like this to me is non-negotiable. I will not negotiate with you about this. You go, well, I can't. I got stuff in the morning. Go to bed earlier. You have got to find your level three gratitude. You got to pick something. So open hands to start because you're going to need those hands today. They may hold a wrench. They may hold a baby. They may hold your whole family in your arm. You're going to need those hands. You got to open them to God. And then you may need to go grab the scissors. Uh, I'm interested. to I don't know if I've talked to you about this, Kenny, but I'm interested to see how this hits you. But uh, I get hand, phone calls from preachers, you know, younger guys, stressed out. Life's hard. There's a lot going on. The work, my family, my studies, all these things. Yeah. And I tell them to go get a piece of paper. So I want you to go get a piece of paper and draw two lines across it where it breaks into three sections, like a Napoleon bar, like three sections. Mm-hmm. And th- this just pertains to their work, but I'm telling you there's, this may have limitless, hopefully, more applications. At the top, I want you to write the crucial parts of your work, the absolute non-negotiable parts, the parts that matter the most, non-negotiable. They're either the most important thing to you or they're the most important thing, period. So they write them out. Write out what, what is crucial. In the middle section, I want you to write the stuff that's really important. It's not crucial. It's not life or death. It's not like the Sunday morning sermon. I mean, you have to have right. that. Like, there's no, but it's maybe things like the bulletin or something. And, and write those there. And then at the bottom, I want you to write all of the other stuff. you do. I don't call it anything like optional. That would be sort of nominalizing it too much. I just made up that word, but um, like the stuff that's left. Now, I want you to look at the list and make sure you feel pretty good about it. Here's, here's my week. I like to do it in a cadence of a week in this project because you got to mix in weekends and weekdays. Yeah. All right. So crucial at the top, important in the middle, everything else. Now, next step, take out the scissors and cut the bottom third off and throw it in the garbage. (laughs) It's gone. Right. It is out of your life. You maybe can bring it back later, but you called me because you're stressed out. Okay. They're like, oh, I can't do that. You called me because you're stressed out, because your sequencing is poor and your life is two-packed, cut the bottom. Secondly, take a pen and mark out half of the stuff in the middle. Half of it. Just draw a line through it. Say bye to it. Pray it out if you need to. Now, you're ready for your coming week. Your next week will have attention devoted to the crucial and the half that was actually important the rest of it now in life in in preaching i think you can just go with that but and, and i've i think we've proven that a couple of times but in life there may be some um some morning period some work you know to get get that stuff out but the bottom third's got to go it just has to disappear work it out the middle you work it out and what you're going to have is twice your attention devoted to half the stuff so you're going to give all that attention to spacing out maximizing and improving all those super crucial things. There's all kinds of research that says you're going to get that promotion that you thought that doing a hundred things is going to get you doing 50 things. Awesome is going to get you farther than trying to do a hundred things. This is true of every single part of your life. Uh, and so I, I know that's hard, but it would be a great experiment for people who are like, I've tried everything. Well, I, I bet you haven't tried the scissors yet. (laughs) And if you do, uh, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable and hard because we, we almost are, um, we almost consider busy to be a compliment. I consider busy to be an insult. Somebody goes, Chris, you're so busy. I'm like, Hey, you might as well just, just call me ugly. Like I'm insulted by that. (laughs) I want to work smarter, not harder by spacing, filtering, sequencing, and then, giving those things all of my heart. Uh, so, you know what, I, that's my recommendation for people, practically speaking.
1: You probably don't have this problem, but I do, which is I often worry about things. And I, I know, I know, I've listened to enough sermons that, that, that tell me that God tells us not to worry. And so I know I shouldn't worry, but that doesn't stop me from doing it, Chris. Um, the, the thing about it is, uh, we all know that this is one of those things that we shouldn't do, and yet we I, I would
2: be willing to bet we all do it. Um, should we feel guilty about feeling guilty?
0: Well, you have to look at it in a couple of ways, right, Kenny? I mean, the idea that I'm going to have concerns for my family or concerns for the future of our country or uneasiness about that. Um, I'm going to need to do some planning. I can't just go willy-nilly on things. I have to worry about it, you know, that's all fine, because it's unavoidable. That's life. I mean, life has concerns and responsibility. And, and being responsible means having to kind of have your radar up for what could happen. Uh, I do not think the Bible speaks against that. Those are important parts of life. But then Jesus comes into Matthew six, and three times in the New American Standard Version says, do not worry he didn't stutter. He didn't use complimentary language. He didn't come in the side door. He came in the front door, slammed it shut, said, do not worry. Do not worry about what? Anything. Don't worry about your life versus death. Don't worry about clothes versus nakedness, home versus living in a van down by the river. I don't worry about, don't worry about tomorrow. Like I'm just drawn right out of the text of Matthew six. But the question is like, what's he talking about there? And I heard a guy, um, and Phil Arnold, he passed away a handful of years ago. A preacher in Oklahoma, do a sermon on this twenty-five years ago, and he said it means this word means a divided mind. It means I can't focus on what matters because these things have drawn all of my attention. That's the kind of worry and anxiety where there's all these things that are rich and matter. They matter to me. They matter to God. They give life great value, and I can't even think about that right now because there's a sensor tripped on my car or. Because of cancer, like I'm I'm telling you, there's, there are things in life that are very, very weighty, but he said, don't worry about that. And then he talked about the open hands, like focus on the goodness of God and the presence of God and the lilies of the field and the grass. So we have to get our minds focused on the right things. Interesting. Phil Arnold went on to be diagnosed with terminal cancer and died within six months of me meeting him. And everybody who knew him reported the things he talked about, focused on, lived for, even up to his deathbed. Phil Arnold went out and lived a life that was able to face the most devastating of events in a way that, yeah, sure, he was concerned for his family. But in a way that didn't get pulled away from what mattered most, which is ministry and optimism and hope. and. Uh, I've just really taken his story to heart. Uh, really quickly, I preached on the parable of the sower the other day and how I think we get caught up in the middle soils all the time. Like, I'm worried too much. And, you know, what if it costs me this? The point of the parable of the soils and the sower was to get everybody to be the good seed, but the good seed meant spreading the gospel. Like, this gets overlooked. The, we think the good seed is somebody who worries less. The good seed is somebody who's not materialistic. Look, the good seed isn't what you're not. The good seed is what you are. And what you Mm -hmm. are is someone who creates 30 Christians out of one because of your, the wind blows seed every direction, or um, the birds can grab from your tree and spread. And so to me, anxiety is when I'm so drawn in by these things that I'm off mission. People go, How do I know if I'm too worried? I go, If you're off mission, Mm -hmm. if you're not focused on spreading the good news on sharing the light. Uh, in Mark 4, Jesus didn't stop with that parable. He told three more little parables about like, sh- spread the seed and shine the light and be optimistic. And so for me, if, if the objective is, I'm gonna listen to this podcast, I'm gonna do what Chris and Kenny said so that I could worry less, then you, you've you missed this. right? God has a mission for your life. We want to eliminate those anxieties that are, interfering with the mission there are other anxieties you carry that aren't interfering with the mission they're just life's hard and you struggle with those things and they concern that's fine keep it got to get rid of the stuff that's getting in the way of the mission
1: yeah i mean you basically went right back to values clarification and really what you're talking about the most important value is that that idea of god's mission for your life in other words being the the person that, that god wants you to be and uh, part of that is is part of that is who you are in, in other words developing character and part of that is what you do and and that's that's doing good works and and good defined not by you but by god and i think that's that's <laughs> both of those are challenges uh I, I i'm trying to develop character i just know i have a really bad one so i mean <laughs> the, the, the thing about it is i
2: when we, when we deal, when we deal with, with getting on mission, I think it's important, and you,
1: you've kind of talked about this, it's, it's important to define a vision that, that, again, I think one of the problems with the cars breaking down and the things going on at work that, that, that should not be, and suddenly somebody else's problems falls on your plate. And and you have to deal with the with the aftermath of somebody else's decisions. And that's never fun. It's never fair, but it happens a lot. And one of the things that, that, that you're talking about there is developing a mission or a vision for what God would have you do in this scenario. And I think <laughs> one of the things that you said was life is hard and it's just not going to get easier. But when you can see the things that don't really make that much difference one way or the other, you can usually, sometimes you can just put them aside and sometimes you can't put them aside. Sometimes you have to go through the yuck in order to get to what, what you need to have need to get done. And so, I mean, you know, this You're you're a dad, uh, 90% 90% of, of parenting is doing stuff you didn't want to do at the beginning of the morning. Um, <laughs> there, there's a diaper that's waiting for you somewhere. There's, there's yeah. a, so what advice do you have to, for, for us that are going to have to get through the yuck so, so, so we get to the, to the point where, and I, I think you're, what you're going to say is sequencing and spacing, but what, how do we have the right attitude when,
2: when we're having to, to wade through the yuck? yeah let's go this direction with it okay a morning prayer father thank you for the yuck
0: thank you <laughs> thank you for inconveniences thank you for difficulties thank you for chow thank you Thank you for every, and I'm not going to get into theology here on, did he send it? Did he allow it? I mean, we know God doesn't tempt us to sin and he's the source of all good things, but we also know about discipline and challenging and Job and all this. Yeah. Thank you for like some of this, Kenny, just, and this is what Jesus was doing in Matthew six, just goes back to straight up faith. Lord, I have faith that you will not allow a burden that will crush me. And that every burden you allow has the potential to help me filter my life, like we've been talking about, get out the scissors. It helps me to learn more about who I am or what matters, or you're training me to be a better. You're training me for something that's coming in the future that I can't see yet. We yeah. have to get to a point where we say, "I don't even wish this stuff wasn't here. I want to figure out what to do with it. I want to figure out what it's trying to do to me. Um, I think part of it is not giving everything the same urgency, like everything that makes you, we live in this really pampered society, right? Like we just want everything. Yeah. We want to feel good all the time. We have everything to be fine all the time. And so any little ping to that feels to us like the heaviest burden. Like every problem is is a 10 on the pain scale. Like that's how my 12-year-old is. I mean, uh, a loose tooth and you know an arm falling off would be equally devastating to him. Like everything is the worst, you know, Yeah. yeah. and maybe God's going, man, like there's so much I want to do with you, but you've got to understand like everything's not the worst. And some of this stuff, like your juggling skills are actually going to make you a great circus clown one day. Like I need to keep (laughs) those in your hand. I, I need to. I need you to keep those. And, and you're like, yeah, but, but some of them are batons that have that have a fire on one end of them. He's like, I know, isn't that so cool? Like you can, you're <laughs> able to juggle like fire batons. Like, you know, I think of Kenny, uh, you, you know, your life and mine is different in that you work in a, in, in an education field where you, you are very much having to react to what happens with others and administrative stuff that's beyond your control. And uh, preachers deal with that sometimes too, but not in the same kind of way, but you know, he's going, look, I'm going to hold back. He's like, you don't even understand how many problems you could have that I'm holding back from you. But I'm, I'm putting the batons out there. Cause I, I just think that I think if you'll learn that some of it you need and some of it's good for you and some, of it, I don't, I don't know. I just, I want an attitude of gratitude, thankfulness. I want to be able to tell God sincerely, thank you for my problems. And to me, it says, I trust that you're still in control. And maybe it'll get me to lean in on him more. So some of that is just mourning attitude that I think I'm just telling you, don't interact with another human being. Don't get in the car and go anywhere until you've found some of that with the Lord. And then you go out and you see what happens.
1: (laughs) So often the biggest stressors in our
2: lives are not really problems. They're people. Um, it's people that consistently um, make things go harder. uh they are often people that love to criticize you for
1: what you are. Um, they also uh love to impugn your motives, they love to and i I say they love to. I think some people who 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 end up being your harshest critics. Probably have good intentions, but don't have a very full
2: picture. Let me ask you: How do you deal with your critics? How should we deal with critics?
0: You know, you and I have talked going into this episode. So, this—if it feels like it's out of left field to somebody who's listening, um, it's not uh, because of Kenny and my conversations. Uh, when I look back over the last two years of my life, and I look at what what has been. Uh, the most constant disruptor of all that i've been trying to work on and that we talked about today it is um uh, critics on the outside it's I, I was not really prepared for the fact that starting a podcast and people hearing it and you know whatever that created um i i wasn't prepared to get emails from people who really found it beneficial I, that's the good part you know that yeah. people people yeah. were uh, found it useful and I, I don't think i really was ready for for how how that would make me feel but I, I wasn't really ready for the critics i didn't understand how people would be i didn't uh i think that there are people who have um, you know reacted in these ways that are that are hyper judgmental and critical and twisting words and trying to marginalize me and all the stuff that i don't really want to talk about today but uh, because i don't want to talk about them i just uh it really caught me by surprise and and people i thought were friends and all kinds of weird stuff so what do i do do I sit around and go, you know, they, I, I wish they would stop because some of them just aren't going don't, to, I don't know what's going on, but they, they've made determinations. Here's what I've got to do. That's my biggest stressor. I mean, yours is going to be something else. That's my biggest potential stressor in life. So I've got to go, okay, I don't like it. Some of it has not been easily fixable. You know, some of these guys, you call them and tell them the truth. And if it's something that they agree with, they just think you're lying. It's weird. It's like, I'm trying to agree with you. And if it's something you disagree with them by two degrees of separation, they make it sound like you're a Calvinist or something like it's, you can't fix those guys. Okay. So, so here's a problem that you can't just go out and fix, right? All right. So what do you do? You go, okay, you know what? I'm going to have to wear this for a while, but here's what I can do. I can go, okay, God, how do I get to a point of thankfulness for some of this? How do I get to a point where I go, why do I need this? <laughs> what is the value in it? And so I started asking questions like, okay, I got emails from this guy. It sounds pretty, he's pretty angry. What can I learn? Because right. I got stuff to learn. And this unpleasant influence is going to help me learn something. So what can I learn? What can I change? Um, I have tried to say every email I get, every phone call I get, everything I hear about somebody telling somebody about something else that gets around to me. It's like, okay, I probably did make a mistake here. How can this help me change the way I speak about things? Maybe theologically, there's something that I missed. What can I learn? And so I've tried to look at it as, okay, that's not something that's going to go away right now. But it is something, number one, that I can learn from. And number two, though, I've learned to marginalize a lot of that. Like at first, I, you know, I get this email and it just crushes my whole week. Like, what? how did he think I meant that? <laughs> what, oh, what, who's he going to tell, you know, am I going to get a meeting canceled? Like, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, because it's like when you first get diagnosed with something scary, you're just like, it's this heavy, heavy weight. And yet what I had to learn is, okay, first of all, what can I learn? And second of all, I can't let that be a hundred pound weight crushing me on the head. I've got a very important life, you know, day to live and priority. And so over time, those things, I hate that it's this way, but when that outside stressor in your life is unrelenting, eventually it just starts to weigh less and less and less. And you're able to go, okay, here comes another, you know, here's somebody wrote something up and sent it to somebody and it got around to me. You know what? I think I'll take a peek at it. I think I'll learn what I can because I always can learn something. Yeah, And I'll pray for those people. Uh, I have prayed for my critics to live to be 100, to have healthy, wonderful lives. Uh, some of them are preachers. I pray that they keep preaching the truth and changing lives. And I pray that they continue to do what they're doing with me. If, if it's helping, and if it's not, Lord, just make their hearts softer. Make my heart, but I never pray for them without praying for me. Like, make my heart softer, too. Um, so, you know, that's my thing and I don't want to talk all day about it. We put it in the back half of the episode where maybe people have already tuned out and gone on to do something else, but, <laughs> cause I don't want to make it about that, but I just want everybody to know, listening, like we all have that uncontrollable right now because it's, it's an external force on us that is trying to kind of take that joy from us. I'm saying find a way to thank God for it. Find a way to use it and then slowly but surely put it in its proper place where it belongs, which is not in the center of your face where you can't see anything else. But it's also don't throw it in the garbage like it's just place it over here in the little five pound category where it belongs. So uh, that's where I'm getting practice right now um,
2: in applying these principles. I get
1: student evaluations every year they're supposed to be anonymous but almost every pro- professor can figure out who who wrote what comment and we don't have to look at handwriting we just have to know what the what the comment is we usually know the be- the beef that our students have with us so i mean it it's it's not hard and i think one of the things that i've always appreciated are the students that will re- respond to me when i reach back out to them i i have you heard of the something called the the four horsemen of the apocalypse? Yeah. I'm not talking about Revelation, I'm actually talking about John Gottman.
2: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> John Gottman is is a is a researcher. And basically he's somebody and it this is something that that he came up with that he says he can with Over 90% accuracy predict who's going to get divorced within the next handful of years. And it's four things that you have to be trained to recognize these things in conversation. But once you do, um, once you recognize these things, these, these are the predictors of divorce. And they are contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And what you see with those four things, I, it is my opinion that stone, stonewalling is the worst one. Uh, I think he says that contempt is the worst one. But, but, but the th- thing about it is, is criticism will often breed contempt. And contempt will often make you defensive. And defensiveness will eventually lead to stonewalling. And, and and when you, if you can stop being defensive, if you can stop, if if at any point in this cycle, you can break one of those because criticism in every relationship has to happen because no two of us are the same. And Emerson's looking at me right now. I'm, I'm wearing a beard. I don't care for the beard. I don't like it. But, but that said, my wife loves it. And so I'm happy to keep the beard happy enough to keep the beard. Um, but one of the things that I know is if I am too defensive about the beard, this doesn't work for me. And it doesn't work for her either at that point because it's, it's become a problem, a problem because yeah. I'm contemptuous of it. Um, <laughs> which means it becomes the things, the thing that we cannot talk about. Um, when it comes to your critics, I think you're exactly right. You have to figure out whose opinion counts. I've heard, I'm sure you've heard this before. Don't, don't take criticism from somebody you would not take advice from, uh, that, that it's, and, and that's, that's important. I'm sure you've also also heard, uh, that often criticism comes from a place of hurt. It's somebody else is criticizing you because they're hurt. And, I've seen that. I've watched that, and, and, but realized that my, my population is between the ages of 18 and 22, and they're always between the ages of 18 and 22. And there's just a lot going on at that age. Um, but the, the other thing that, that I would say, and I, I think that's true, but if you can av- avoid these four things, if you can avoid being critical of the people who are criticizing you, if you can avoid being cr- contemptuous of them, if you can avoid the defensiveness of it, and if you could just yeah. If you can still maintain a dialogue with them, if they will have a dialogue sure. with you.
0: That's great. I think those
1: did you see what I'm saying there,
0: Emerson? Yeah, and it seems all built off that first thing. Contempt is a heart situation. It's it's a it's it's a bitterness or something there, and then all these outside things start happening. I, I do think that love is key. I think that the 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 Bible is repeatedly trying to tell you to unconditionally love every person is made in God's image and to feel hope for every person. And if your interaction with them is based on your love for them and not just something about yourself, then it'll, it'll change everything. And I've tried to work on that with the critic. I've tried to pray for them and connect with them and do some of those. things. I make mistakes. I'm not sitting here going, they make all the mistakes. I make mistakes too. But wouldn't it be cool, Kenny, if you and I were two guys who really cared about each other, really loved each other. <laughs> we're, we're brothers. Like, let's just fake it for, let's just pretend for a minute, Kenny, Okay. that we're both Christians who love each other and we vehemently disagree with each other on something. Well, yeah. you know, what I'm going to do is just, just write you up. No, uh, I'm going to try to marginalize you. No, I'm going to call you and go, I love you. And I totally disagree with you. Let's see what we can do. Like that's healthy. That's, it's a little stressful, I guess, because nobody likes to be told they need to change, but it's a manageable kind of stress, isn't it? Because we know we, we care about each other. I said a couple of times in a sermon a year or two ago that, you know, I'm not willing to sit down and be criticized or challenged or uh, pushed by someone who I doesn't believe, uh, who I don't believe cares about me. And boy, that, that got, people ran with that and said, that's, that's wrong. You got to be willing to accept criticism from everybody. And you got to, you know, it, it's almost like they are admitting they don't care about me. But I, I think when somebody doesn't care, when there's no love, then again, they won't even believe you when you tell them the truth, or they'll take anything that they disagree with and turn it into something massive and all that's very stressful. So part of it was going, I I know I need to change and learn and grow. I need to give weight to people who, who, who care about me and want to help want us to grow together, you know, where their motives are, hey, let's get better and let's fix this instead of, you know, something, something else. So having a way through all that has been, has been a challenge, but, um, I, I think we got to get back we got to get the contempt away. I mean, as long as there's something, if there's bitterness in our heart, we're doomed. Everything yeah. else, uh, is, is going to go. So, I'm, so I'm working on that. I'm going, Lord, don't take the problems away. Just change my heart, like tenderize my, my spirit. Towards anybody and maybe that's maybe that's what I need to learn. You know, help me learn it.
1: We didn't talk very much about this, but just for a moment. What is what is burnout? And and how do you avoid what burnout is?
0: You know, burnout is trying to do it all. Burnout is when you have no time to to think, to to rest. To reflect. So burnout becomes trying to do everything all the time and giving everything equal weight. And then you realize you don't have the whatever for that, the energy, the time, the faith. Um, and this is where we go back to the beginning. We have we have to space out our lives, and that means assigning different values to what's important and what's less important. Maybe you got to get the scissors out. But when when I looked at this question before we started today, I thought about our eldership. Um, it seems to me historically that elders only get called in when there's a problem. Yeah. You know, like an elder's job is just dealing with messes. And I talked to our elders a year or two ago and I said, God, I just feel bad for you guys. Like I get to, you know, hang out with new converts and I get to do all this cool, fun stuff. And then when there's a big problem, I just tell them to call you, you know? And so you're, you're handling only stressful things and then elders burn out a lot. And they just get, and it's like from the inside out, they're just, their hearts are just burdened. And so we talked about, you know, it doesn't mean that you necessarily need to do less, but, you know, would you guys like to get in on some of these new convert studies or these prayer meetings that we're doing? Like really great stuff, you know, that we're not saying do less work. We're saying do some of the more rewarding work. And it's neat to watch even our eldership grow and, and their spirits just really liven up with, you know we're still doing a lot during the week, but a lot of the stuff we're doing brings a smile to our face instead of our work only being the stuff that's heavy and hard. That's how you burn out too uh when when the cadence of your week is just all the hardest hardest stuff it's kind of like parenting, you know one parent may get to be with the kids and they're doing all the fun stuff, and the other parent just has the paddle well, no like it's it's gonna ruin the whole thing and so uh, I don't know if that makes total sense, but I've been thinking through it, it, it you may still have a lot going on during the week, but just burnout is when it all seems to be the worst, hardest stuff, and maybe we need to spread that a little bit, spread that around a little bit so that you you know I took on a couple of the hard things for our elders so that they could take on a couple of the more fun, enjoyable things that I got to do, and I think it it helped us all.
1: It reminds me of that passage in, in Matthew. Where they're criticizing Jesus because his 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 disciples don't fast and all of that, and and one of the things that he says is, uh, uh, can the can the uh, can the wedding guests be sad while the while the groom is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and the, and then they will fast. But, but the argument that he's making there, I think, and I don't really understand that passage probably as well as I need to, is there's a time to, to enjoy the success. There's, there's a, a time to celebrate what you can celebrate uh, because there are times to suffer. But I, I think some people just get addicted to the suffering. They, they like, if things feel too good, then something's got to be wrong. Do <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think as, as some of us as Christians are worried if, if we, uh, just like you're talking about, doing the stuff that's more rewarding, taking advantage of, of, of just doing stuff, not solely doing stuff, but enjoying something that's enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, you see, go ahead.
0: Yeah, and and really making that an intentional thing. You know, each morning when I'm doing the journal, I have a a eat that frog section where I write in a, you know, it it tends to be a couple a day that I don't really want to do, but it sure will help later in the week if I do it. And I've got space for it. And then I have a section called daily highlight where I write down. Now, these days I write down maybe two things that would just be awesome. You know, text this guy or go visit these people or, um, you know, send this email or, you know. whatever like every day it's something go go to this brunch at Cracker barrel today with these guys like yeah i want to put in the day not just frogs i don't ever want a day that's just a frog day you know what today i just gotta (laughs) knock out six really i just gotta eat six frogs today and choke them down and that's gonna be it that's my day you know yeah No, no 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 i'll put one a day for the next six days and i'll if i can and like we said about the car sometimes you can you don't think you can yeah deal with it next week it'll be okay yeah and in the midst of it, put in things that you know are going to be on mission. Number one, that's which is the big secret. Is you go? Well, what do you mean? What's going to bring me joy? If you're a Christian, being on mission brings you joy. Yeah. So put in mission-oriented things to spread the seed and and do that. And and then you you know you don't you don't burn out because you you get buoyancy from from work that you know is rewarding and good.
2: What did I miss? I don't know.
0: I feel like we've talked about a lot. i hope I know for you and me because we know each other and we're friends, I mean, I feel like we're having a private conversation today that is benefiting us, you know, and you are a big benefit to me. I just love talking to you, but it's a little, almost weird to me, David, today that there's going to be other people listening in on what we're talking about um, it feels it feels a little bit extra real today, uh so I hope that people see it that way is just you know we're just two guys working through the same stuff everybody else is working through and we need each other's encouragement and um i'm just enjoying it i'm enjoying being with you talking with you
1: me too i i let me let's see here i i can get real sappy and say i love you which is absolutely true but the, the thing about it is is i i you you know better than most that that, that i've been just going through a lot right now and there are things that I've had to let fall through the cracks, including the podcast. The podcast is one of the things that I've had to had to do less regularly because I had bigger fish to fry, and I think I'm about to the end of that. So at the end of the fish to fry, not not the end of the podcast, but but I, I think I can see light at the end of the tunnel. And one of the things that happened was every so often <laughs> I would get a text from somebody named Emerson who, who who said something is How is it down there? What's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's, there's, I appreciate, I appreciate you, Emerson, uh, that you were willing to, to, to reach out and you recognize, and that's, that's a big part of it is just, just recognition. Um, you recognize that the, the, that, that something had to be wrong and, and you asked about it and, and then you shut up and listen. And that's something that I really appreciate. I will say this to anybody else who's listening to this do that exact same thing for other people because it's one thing I'm not going to volunteer those things, but if somebody reaches out to me, yeah, I'll talk. And I I think that's, that's what God would have us do is don't expect people to volunteer things that they're trying, that they're trying to handle part of your job as a Christian is to know when something's off kilter, is to know when something's not, not feeling right, is to know when, that's just, that's not him. I, I, I just, there's, there's just something that's not, and, and, and just reach out. You see what I'm saying, I know you I know what that. I'm saying.
0: No, you're turning the attention in the right direction. I think it's beautifully said. I remember reading ages ago, the top 10 things you can do to overcome discouragement. Somebody may be listening today thinking, you know, I am discouraged, I'm stressed out. I'm going to try a few of these things, but they're just so much. Well, you may just have too much attention on yourself. And the top 10 ways to overcome discouragement, you're really going to want to write these down. So let me pause <laughs> so you can get your pencil. Number one, go do something for somebody else. And then repeat that nine times. <laughs> like if we can get the attention, and I don't mean find somebody who's worse off than you to make you feel better about yourself. That's still no. about you. I mean, genuinely look around your inner circle which are the people you're most transparent with. And then you're kind of like your outer circle, or people you still care about and love, but it's the relationship's just a little bit different. And just be looking for an opportunity because here's what's cool about it. And I say cool, it's not the purpose behind it, but it's just cool that when you do something to help someone else, you're on mission, which immediately makes you happier. Mm-hmm. It immediately alleviates stress in your life. Like being on mission is always going to make you feel better about your life. Uh, that can't be the, the purpose, but it's kind of like the heaping burning coals on their head. That can't be the purpose for doing something nice for someone, but, right. uh, but there are outcomes that, that God is working. So I love that you're, you're saying that. Like, Reach out today if you're going, man, I don't know where to start. Well, how about this? Just put down the pencil and the paper and the scissors and just um, just go check on somebody You know, and watch what happens.
1: I end all my podcasts with be good and do good. What's good about dealing with
0: stress? (laughs) Well, uh, it makes us more like Jesus. You know, I think Jesus had a lot going on. And he he was so spiritually in tune with his father that the more that went on, the more that shined through. And we serve him because of all that he bore. We we celebrate that every week, how much that he bore. and He did so in faith, and he committed himself to the Lord as he was singing. Like, that's what's good in it is we just become more like Jesus. Jesus dealt with disappointment. He dealt with knuckleheaded followers. In <laughs> fact, every room he ever walked in was filled with knuckleheads. He was perfect. Everybody else wasn't. Um, he dealt with yeah. critics. He dealt with yeah. terribly jealous and angry critics. He... He dealt with love for a whole nation that he was watching be torn apart. Um, he dealt with a lot and he did it with this beautiful connection to his father and just trying to be a light in every room he was in. And yeah, like the call here is not just, this is where I go back to the sowers. The call here isn't to just be a less thorny soil that worries less. The call here is to be good. To yeah. be good and do good. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> to be good and do good. 30-fold, yeah. 60-fold, 90-fold. To be like Jesus. The good news. that You think about James 1. Consider it all joy. What, what's the joy? I get to be a little bit more like Jesus. Focused on the right things and bringing about better results. And uh, I, I want to get there. And the Bible says discipline is the way. And mm-hmm. so maybe that changes my attitude about hard things, yeah, when I see where it's designed to take me, yeah, and the beauty of those
1: hard things is they they, they create something in in you that that allows you to excel still more. So. Stop it, stop) <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Emerson, we could do this for hours And again, what you guys don't know Is Emerson and I, we touch base At least every other week or so and Just just to make sure that we're doing okay I love you, man Uh, You already know that Um, I appreciate you doing this I'm sure we'll talk again
0: Yeah, man, love it, love you And uh, praying for you Praying for everybody who's listening Praying for everyone that somehow, some way, we glorify God in all of this. Look for a way. There will always be a way. I pray for, for detractors and supporters and everyone in between. We glorify God. Thanks for the time. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll consider sharing it with a friend. Speaking of friends, if you have any mortgage-related needs, maybe you're a first-time homebuyer looking to refinance, or just want to talk about future home ownership goals, reach out to Tyler Kane. He is a senior loan officer with Fairway Independent Mortgage. Tyler and his team, with their expertise and dedication, have helped many families achieve their home ownership goals. They can advise you on the process from start to finish. His website is included in the show notes, or you can reach him directly at eight one three. 3808487 And please remember whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ excel still more